privilege to be able to share a few exhortations with y'all this morning. Appreciate the elders continuing to give me opportunity. Um, start by reading a bit of scripture here. Psalm 119, verse 65 through 68. <clears throat> it says, Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. So I'm talking about the goodness of God. And I find it um, really interesting the way the Lord leads sometimes. Um, if y'all remember last time, I was speaking on the glory of God, and um, I shared how I was planning to teach something else, and the Lord just redirected me. So this morning, I, well, after I taught last time, I began, going, I went back to my lesson that I was planning to teach, which is actually, I'm planning to do a series on church history, going back to the early church fathers, Irenaeus and Ignatius and all these. Yeah, I didn't really want to tell you all that because I didn't think anybody would show up if I said I was going to teach history. But um, I, think it, I think it's going to be a great encouragement as you look at the, the amazing, the providence of God in orchestrating events throughout history and seeing his hand unfold. I think it can be a great encouragement. So that is what I was planning on doing. Um, however, as I was preparing the lesson, I, it's been a, a, a good number of years since I taught regularly, and but I do remember this, and I think other people that teach you, sometimes you see the Lord just directing you, right? And so something just in my spirit wasn't, I don't know, maybe it's I hadn't done enough reading, I really needed to do more research, just wasn't feeling right about it, yet I didn't have anything else to teach. So I just kept plugging away, preparing that lesson, and then a couple weeks ago, um, the director of Forge Ministries, which forges families obediently restoring godly education. It's a conference that our family's gone to up in Kerrville every uh, end of August, September. Um, they reached out to us and asked if I would give the uh, speak at the, the men's breakfast they do one morning. And the topic of the theme of that conference this year is the goodness of God. And suddenly, I completed the blockchain in my mind and I, all these lights started going off. Not only would I be able to kill two birds with one stone by teaching on the goodness of God preparing this morning, um, but actually when I just began to think about this, what did I teach on last time? The, the glory of God. Well, if you turn to, uh, you remember the basis for what I was, I taught last time was Exodus, I have it right here, Exodus 33 when Moses asked God, said, show me your glory. And what did God say in Exodus 33, 19? God's response was, and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. So God's goodness and his glory are very much related. They're linked together. And as my wheels were turning in my head, I, one of the books I'd used was this uh, Stephen Lawson's book, Show Me Your Glory. 
And I reached over and grabbed it. It was still on my nightstand along with 15 other books. But, and I just opened it up and I was like, and I looked through the contents and sure enough, chapter 14, graciously kind, the goodness of God. It's like, that's it. That is, is what, I think it's just the perfect follow-up to what I was speaking on last time uh, on the glory of God. God's goodness is directly related. God is so good. And I think if we went around the room and just asked people to share, how has God shown his goodness to you? I bet we could fill up this hour by just testimony of talking about how good God is. So as I began to prepare this lesson, um, the whole family gets sick. We're still struggling with sickness. I don't know, maybe a couple of different bugs. It has been a difficult one to lick. It's not COVID. We tested that, but just it's been worse than COVID. <laughs> just uh, a, a bug that is running through the family. And then Gabriel takes my truck to work and the catalytic converters get stolen off my truck. Still dealing with that. One of the AC units, well, actually, I, it was stolen on a Friday. Saturday, I go back to where they were stolen to file the police report. And when I get home, the AC in our house had gone out, one of the units. Monday, the second unit went out. <clears throat> Thankfully, that one got fixed pretty quick, but still waited on the first one. <laughs> but God is good, okay? And I think we can, we can say with Job, I mean, Job lost so much more than an air conditioning unit, right? And he said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the, the Lord. He said, though he slay me, still I will praise him, right? God is good, and um, our circumstances do not change how good God is, do they? I was thinking about even, um, God is, his goodness encompasses his mercy towards us. None of us deserve God's mercy. I, I was thinking about David, who wrote so many of the Psalms and and if you just look, I mean, God's goodness is all over Scripture, right? It's many, many passages on the goodness of God. And I was thinking about David when, you know, when he had sinned and God gave him the three choices. What are, you know, and what, what was David's choice? Let me fall into the hand of God for him to afflict me because God is so merciful towards us, right? Don't let me fall in the hand of man. Let me fall into the hands of God is what um, he chose because God is so good and he's so merciful and he gives us so much more than we deserve. So, um, also just had to drive to Florida this weekend to pick Lauren up from music camp. And that's why I don't have slides. I apologize, no slides, because I just did not have time to prepare. And my notes are all crinkled because they went with me to Florida. And I, But anyway. Um, when did anybody ever learn this little prayer or teach it? I don't miss, we said it too much, but God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food, right? I've learned that pretty, uh, pretty simplistic prayer that we sometimes teach small children. And um, as I was thinking about that in relation to God's glory and his goodness, there's actually truth in that. God is great and he is good. And those, they're not the same thing. There are two different perfections, attributes of God, his, good, his greatness and his goodness. And it's his greatness that we were talking about last time in talking about his glory. Um, when, we, when we think of his greatness, we think of his power. 
the fact that he spoke and the universe leapt into existence um, as we in study as we study the immense power of creation, you know, we're left with how powerful he truly is. When we think about it, have I seen the pictures of the, the James Webb telescope? It's been the new thing that came out. And so in these incredible, beautiful, amazing pictures of God, the more we study the universe, and as a Christian, we say, how incredibly powerful. We get a little bit more of a glimpse of how incredibly powerful God is to, to speak and create the universe as he has. And we being finite, you know, it's, it's hard to grasp the infinite, right? When you think about, I know Dwight's an engineer, and when you think about if you've studied math, infinity is how far from any finite point? I need, it's infinitely far from any, any finite point. You know, you, <laughs> doesn't matter what point you choose, a Googleplex, infinity is still infinity away, right? And God, we speak of him as being infinite. So God is infinitely higher than any of us. And what, what does that mean? Well, <clears throat> before I get to that, I'll explain that in a minute. But Steve Lawson in this book, um, when, we, when we think about just that aspect of God being so powerful and so far above us, we can be left with thinking, well, he's, he's so other than us, then how do I even relate to God, right? How, you know, he's so, what am I, you know? But in that comes his goodness. Because, yes, he is almighty and powerful, but yet it is his goodness that he humbles himself to reach down to his people. Steve Lawson, he says this, he says, given these truths, and the truths of looking at his glory and his power, he says, given these truths about the divine nature, we might be tempted to conclude that he is a stern dictator, a detached deity, uncaring towards his creation. We might jump to the conclusion that God is a, a stoic sovereign, devoid of feeling, merely making calculated chess moves from heaven, but nothing could be further from the truth. Truthfully, God is the very opposite. The Bible teaches that he is good and gracious, kind and caring. In fact, God is so good that the word God in English is derived from the German word that means good. His heart is a perpetual fountain of goodness, flowing like a swelling river that overruns its banks. We are literally deluged with the kindness of God, immersed with his benevolence. An ocean of divine benevolence is being lavished upon us from his throne of grace. God is the source of all good things, and he delights in bestowing good gifts upon his creation. That's Steve Lawson. God is so good. William Tyndale, uh, you remember William Tyndale? He was the first person to actually translate from Greek and Hebrew to English, translate the Bible. And in fact, the King James, our beloved King James Version is, I've heard like 70 to 80% of the King James was based on Tyndale's work. He was a brilliant scholar. And uh, if you remember what happened to him, he was burned at the stake. And as he was being burned, what was his cry? Anybody remember? What did he, what did he pray? Anybody? The Lord opened the King of England's eyes and eventually King James, you know, commissioned the, uh, the translation of the Bible. 
Um, but he said, God's goodness is the root of all goodness, and our goodness, if we have any, springs from his goodness. Um, I mentioned last time a, a lot from John Owen, the Puritan. John Owen said, God is so infinitely high and lofty, so inhabits eternity in his own eternal being, that it is an act of mere grace in him to take notice of things infinitely below him. So as I was mentioned, infinity is infinity away from anything, any finite thing, and we are finite. It is a, a mere act of grace that God takes notice of him. He goes on to say, the infinite essential greatness of the nature of God with his infinite distance from the nature of all creatures means that God has to humble himself to take notice of things infinitely below him. And of course, our minds should immediately go to Christ humbling himself, right? But if you look at uh, Psalm 113, starting in verse 4, I found this to be interesting. It says, The Lord is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven, in the, in the heavens and in earth? God is high above the nations, yet he humbles himself to behold. Because when you can't get any higher to interact with those so far below you, he must humble himself. And this, herein lies the goodness of God, that he would stoop down and humble himself and do good to us. And what did he ultimately do? Well, it, it's his greatness. His greatness is far more than we can even fathom, right? But it is goodness, in his goodness that he humbled himself to deal with his creation. It is because God is good that he humbles himself to reach down and take regard for his people. And even though his greatness is far more than we can fathom, it is his goodness that motivated him to humble himself and become a man, as we see in Philippians 2, right? This very familiar passage, verses 6 to 8, it says, Who though he was in the form of God did, now count, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Right, That he would stoop down, become a man, humble himself, step down from glory at the right hand of the Father. And for what? To save us, right? Titus 3, verses 4 and 5. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared... He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And in fact, um, you see this all throughout Scripture, that God's goodness is always associated with his mercy. In fact, that, that Hebrew word, I can't say it because I can't speak Hebrew, chesed, 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 y'all heard that word? Um, it's used over and over in the Old Testament. It talks of his goodness, his faithfulness. It's a very all-encompassing word of, of his kindness, his mercy. Um, what's the psalm that 
repeats his, his love endures forever, or his mercy endures forever. That's that word. And it can be translated love endures forever, mercy and faithfulness endures forever. It's a very beautiful Hebrew word that describes God's goodness and kindness towards us. Um, Psalm 25 or 7 says, Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgression. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness. And because we are sinful, all of us are sinful, or all of sin and fall short of the good glory of God, that's what makes him so good, that he stoops down and he saves us, not because of our righteousness, right? And so anytime when we think about the goodness of God, we must think about what Christ has done. It's not merely that he gives us a home with air condition to live in or gives us a truck with catalytic converters that you can drive <laughs> or, or gives us a job, you know. Yes, he is so good and kind and generous and gracious to us to give us those things. But ultimately, we don't deserve any of that. And just if all we have, if we lose everything and we're stuck living under a bridge, yet we have his mercy upon us and we have the hope that we have of eternity with Christ, that is still far more than we deserve, right? And yet he is so good and so kind to us in so many other ways. <clears throat> Martin Lloyd-Jones, um, anybody ever listen to Martin Lloyd-Jones? Fantastic preacher, Scottish preacher, um, back in the 50s, 40s, 50s. Um, he has a sermon on Romans 11, and specifically on Romans 11:22, and I'll just read this verse. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt be cut off. Um, this is the passage in Romans where he's, he's talking about the Jews being cut off and the Gentiles being grafted in. You remember that passage? And it's, it's basically a warning against pride and expectations that we deserve, you know. Israel was God's chosen people, and, you know, they took that for granted. But he's warning, Paul is warning the Gentiles as well. He said, look, don't, don't take this for granted. You know, God has been gracious to save you. Don't take that for granted. You must continue in the Word. And, you know, if you, uh, what is the, if you trample on the grace of God, I mean, you there's a very stern warning in Hebrews chapter 10 on that. Um, but Martin Lloyd-Jones, I, I highly recommend, it's, it's just titled The Goodness and Severity of, of God. Um, when he points this out, that we must remain humble um, as believers and realize that we don't, we don't deserve his grace. Um, yeah, that passage in, in Hebrews, he says of how much uh, sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing. He hath done despite the Spirit of grace. It's a, it's a severe warning if you go back and read that whole passage in Hebrews 10. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says, the best corrective against pride and all that accompanies pride, 
the best corrective against pride are if you prefer it, our greatest need always is to know God, to know the character of God, to know the truth about God. When we understand who God is, that humbles us, right? Again, when we realize how far above us he is, that should humble us. And when we understand who God is, who biblically God is, that um, it makes us realize how good he is. Because God is so much more than many people want to say, right? Um, many people focus on one aspect of God, but um, like that justice, that severity part, they don't want to think about that. And you get so many churches today that fall into accepting just wicked sin, right? You see that all over right now. Just, you know, what do they focus on? They focus on God's love. God is love. God is love. But he is also severe <laughs> and he is just. And when you only focus on one aspect of God, guess what? We are creating a God in our own head. We're not focusing on the God of the Bible and if you're focusing on any other God, if you're worshiping another God other than the God of the Bible, that's idolatry, right? Um, we must know God for who the Bible says that he is. If we focus on only one aspect of God and neglect other elements of his character, we will fall into idolatry. Worshiping a God we have created in our own mind and not the God of the Bible. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said, the whole of our thinking should always be controlled by our knowledge of God. He said, in other words, our greatest need is to know God as he has revealed himself to us in Scripture. To put it in the negative form, our greatest lack as Christian people always is the lack of the knowledge of God. Without the, pro the proper knowledge of God, we can run amok in our, our walk with God you see that in Ephesians 4 when he says, you know, that, um, says that, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. When we don't understand who God is, all of who he is, we tend to, to get imbalanced, right? We, we can either become very legalistic or we can become the opposite antinomian where we just anything goes, right? But we must have a balanced biblical view of God. You see that today, how many churches that only focus on, like, like I said, on, on the love of God. Which the love of God is a wonderful thing. It encompasses His goodness and mercy, right? But God is also truth and justice. In fact, this word in Hebrews 11, this severity, it means severe and exact justice. So God is a just God and He punishes sin, right? Um, when, 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 when we say, you know, Gabriel says, this, I can't believe God would do that, right? I can't believe God would punish wicked people. <laughs> I can't believe God would, would send people to hell. Well, you're not believing the God of the Bible when you say that. And that, again, is idolatry, right? When our view of God is not biblical, our view of many other things becomes skewed as well. Our view of sin and man in sin becomes skewed um, we'll say things like, oh, he just, he just made a mistake, right? He, he just did something wrong, did something bad, you know, and he's remorseful because he got caught, right? But um, 
But that's not how the Bible defines sin. How does the Bible define sin? Anybody who, who knows the, uh, besides my children, who knows the catechism for boys and girls question, what is sin? The answer, sin is any transgression of the law of God. And what is meant by transgression? Doing what God forbids. And we, we see this in Scripture again, 1 John 3, 4. Whoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is, is the transgression of the law. Romans 3, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Sin is disobedience to God. And when we say, well, God is just, he's just love. Don't worry about all this, right? Well, we're neglecting that aspect of God and God acts as a whole. He doesn't ever put aside his justice. He doesn't ever put aside his goodness. He doesn't ever put aside his glory. He, he always acts as a whole and he accomplishes justice at the same time accomplishing his goodness. We have a false view of God uh, or we, when, when we have a false view of God, we end up with a false view of the atonement as well. When we say things like, God loves you because you're so special. You're just so special, right? You're just, God just loves you so much. But what does the Bible say? It says, there is no one righteous. No, not one. There is none that understand this. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. But guess what? I'm, I'm, I'm bringing a downer, right? So we're talking about the goodness of God. Well, guess what? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? And that's what makes his goodness so sweet. That we aren't worthy. We are not worthy of his goodness. None of us deserve his mercy. No one is righteous, not even one. In fact, what is it? Roman or Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 puts it. Let's just go there. Galatians, Ephesians. He says, and you hath quick and you hath he quickened, meaning he has made us alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even of us others, but God. So who, what were we? We were dead, we were children of wrath, we were walking in disobedience, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even while we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. We're saved not because of anything good. And that's what makes God's goodness, His grace so special. That even, wow, when we just say, oh, God loves you because you're just so special. No, you're not special. That's what makes God's goodness so good. And then, yes, we are special because 
we get to spend eternity in him, but it's because of God. It's because of his goodness and greatness that makes anything. What did, what did Tyndale say? Again, he said, God's goodness is the root of all goodness, and our goodness, if we have any, springs from, the good, from his goodness. So, you cannot separate his goodness from his severity, from his justice. And, you know, that's what you see actually in this, that was Romans 11. Turn back to Romans 1. What does he say? The wrath of God is being poured out on all mankind, right? Because of our wickedness. But that makes his goodness so much sweeter, right? That we don't get what we deserve, that instead we receive mercy. And you know what? It's not just... It's not just that we, you know, some people are better than others, right? Some of us just sin a little bit. You know, we don't, have, we don't have to be Hitler to deserve God's wrath, right? No, in fact, that's what um, it says in, in James. It says, but if you have respect to persons, you commit sin. And are you convinced of the law as transgressors? For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if you commit adultery, yet if, you, you, yet if thou kill, thou art become transgressor of the law. So, you know, any sin separates us from, from God, right? And so it doesn't matter how bad we are, you know. If, I, I mean, yes, there, there are consequences that we, we face, but ultimately before God, any sin separates us from him. And any sins deserve his wrath and deserve hell, but yet God is merciful and saves us, those who put their faith in him. So, Romans 5 says, But Christ died for us that we might be reconciled to this holy God. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. I love the way... Martin Lloyd-Jones and that Scottish accent reconciled to God. It's a beautiful sermon. We've been reconciled to God. And again, this is his goodness. And this is the one aspect, you know, when we think about goodness, but this is the aspect we must focus on because, again, we could go around the room and share testimony after testimony about how good God has been and how he's protected us. And I've just seen driving back, wasn't this time, driving back from Florida, one of the trips that took Lauren there, we're on the freeway and it's that stretch near Beaumont where it's blocked in. And I mean, you can't, if there's a wreck, you're stuck, right? And we're coming and a car heading straight towards us starts going, bing, 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 bing. Right. I mean, just as we're passing and it smashed into the outer guardrail, if it had smashed into the inner guardrail, I'm sure parts would have just from that car would have flung into us. And so you're just like, wow, God, you're so good. You protected us in that instance. And so many times I've just seen God be so good and, and protect us and be gracious to us and bless us with things that like, wow, I didn't deserve this. How did the Lord give, give, give us this? You know, but, but ultimately, again, it's the fact that we have Christ and we have a relationship with him. That is the greatest good that any of us could ever receive. And again, if we have nothing, yet Christ saved us we still have far more than we deserve because he has reconciled us 
to himself. Um, but we all go through trials, right? And we all throw through difficulties that uh, make us question. And, and, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I've got this goodness of God lesson. I'm going to get going and all these things start happening. Yeah, I think the enemy, the devil, you know, sometimes he just wants you to doubt, right? He wants to get your goat and, and make, you, make you question, well, is God really good? I mean, why did I have to have all these things happen to me? You know, and you start questioning the goodness of God. But again, we tend to think, and it's pride, we tend to think we deserve more than we have, right? I mean, I deserve a working air condition in my house. You know, it's so hot here. It's so miserable. I don't need to be miserable, right? But we always tend to think that we deserve much more than we get. And anytime we start thinking we deserve something, that's pride. That's pride, and pride is one of the greatest sins that is spoken against in, in Scripture, right? And so when we continually humble ourselves and say, I know I don't deserve it, that ultimately gives God more glory because we realize how good He really is. When we compare our sinfulness, our unworthiness to His goodness and mercy upon us. And so, but we do experience these trials and they're hard, right? They're just hard. And we, we look at Romans 8.28 and we know that all things work together for good for them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And we say, how, how is God working this for good? I mean, see what happened? How is this working for good? You know, whatever trial it may be, we, we begin to question. But we have to remember, and I've said this before, so if I'm repeating, just bear with me. But it, I must speak to myself these things over and over. Right? Isaiah 57, 15, it says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. Who is God inhabits eternity. He sees he was there before time began. He will be there when time is no more. He sees it all. God inhabits eternity. And so while we don't understand how all these things are all working together for good, God knows. And he knows how he's orchestrating these pieces. And he knows what good is coming from it. And ultimately, for his glory, he's working it out. And we may never see. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we look back in hindsight and say, wow, that was a terrible thing. But look what good God brought out of it, right? Any examples come to your mind? I'm, I'm sure there are because... We often look back and see things we didn't understand. Did you want to share something? Yeah, absolutely. What, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. When, when Joseph was sold into slavery, God meant for good. But in, even in our own lives, I'm sure we can look back and, and see things and think, man, that was terrible, but look what God has done. And so, but not everything that happens in this life, will we have answers for, right? There will be things that one day we'll get to eternity and say, oh, that's what God was doing. Praise the Lord, right? Because he inhabits eternity. He sees all beginning from the end, and we don't see that. We're, we're finite again. And, but I also, I like to reflect upon Romans 5, verses 3 to 5, which says, 
And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. And that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I think that's New King James because that's when I was 18. I memorized that verse Um, just because I was going through a tough time and my Sunday school teacher read that and I thought, okay, I can rejoice even when things are going bad. Because I know at the time I just thought, so God's building character in me. He's helping me to persevere. He's, He's working in me. He's doing something good in me. And so I try to, when I experience a trial, I try to reflect, okay, God's doing something good in me. He's building this character. But what I didn't really think a lot about was the second half of that verse, which says, because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Well, when does God pour the Holy Spirit into our hearts? When we're saved, right? When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, that's the love of God, that he would save us and that he would give us a spirit. And so when the spirit comes and lives within us, we are sealed, right? Scripture says we've been sealed by the promise. We've been sealed through his spirit. So that means our eternity is secure, right? We're going to heaven. Praise the Lord. We're going to heaven one day. We won't have to worry about these. But in the meantime... We're dealing with trials, right? We're dealing with disease. We're dealing with the loss of loved ones. We're dealing with, you know, all these disasters. But what do those do? They remind us of that hope that has been poured in our heart. And they remind us of that day when every tear will be wiped away and there will be no more sorrow or pain and we will walk the streets of gold with Jesus Christ. So, That's a beautiful thing. And never let, what, are the, what does the left say? Never let, a, never let a crisis go to waste. Never let a trial go to waste, but always let it point us to the goodness and mercy of God and be a reminder that one day we won't be suffering anymore. We won't be dealing with these heartaches and blows. Even our trials point us to the goodness of God. Charles Spurgeon, he said, There is as much love in the blows of God's hand as the kisses of his mouth. And again, even if we lost everything, um, if all we have is that hope of eternity in Christ, we have so much more than we deserve. And God is so good. God is so good to to save us. And um, what time is it? I'm going to finish up a few minutes early. But uh, Psalm 31, verse 19 It says, oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. Oh, how abundant is your goodness. His goodness is so good. If we look back to that first passage in Psalm 119, thou hast dealt with your servant, O Lord, according to thy word. Teach me good judgment and good knowledge for I believe thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. So being able to grasp this goodness, it comes back to knowing God and how he has revealed himself in his word. 
because when we put down the scripture, we begin to start thinking in our own ways, in our own fallen ways, and we, we begin to forget how good God is, and we think that our way is right, and, but you know what? It is his goodness that he deals with us, and he brings us back to his word. As a believer, God brings us back to his word, and sometimes it takes, um, sometimes it takes having your catalytic converter stolen <laughs> to, to remember, you know what? God is good, and he does good, he is good. Teach me thy statutes. And um, so again, this is as much a, a lesson for myself, pointing my own heart back to God's goodness and be reminded that it's not our circumstances that dictate what his goodness is. He's good because he's God. And um, our circumstances will be up and down. They will, they will fluctuate. We'll go through good times. We'll go through tough times. But God is always good and he's always there and he's always ready to draw us back to himself. But we must continue to seek him and uh, spend time with him and draw near to him. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And uh, that's all I have to say. Is God good? And I'll just, I won't, actually I was, Dick, do you have a, a testimony you wanted to share? Okay. Uh, or something I've been working on. Uh, you know, you read uh, Romans 5. Mm -hmm. And uh, the whole thing is not ashamed mm -hmm. because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts mm -hmm. by the Holy Spirit who has been given unto us. Mm -hmm. And I, I think of these verses that are coming to mind from Christ. Absolutely. Right. And uh, 1 Corinthians, I think it's uh, 2.16, it says, uh, we, have, we have the mind of Christ. Right. And so it's true. We get through the Holy Spirit, we have the mind of Christ. And, you know, you see, like, a, a young missionary that's out on the fields, and he's so eager to know the Lord, and he's doing these things in the country. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Absolutely. As for those um, listening, you know, Dick was just pointing out that we need to have the mind of Christ, and and we don't always understand how things are working. We don't understand how, like a Jim Elliot, you know, was murdered so young. But in hindsight, we do see we do see how the Lord, you know, used even his wife and the rest of those those women that were there um, to end up saving. You know, practically that whole tribe, you know, but yeah. So as we put on the mind of Christ, we begin, things become more and more clear. Did you? Well, I was thinking about beginning in Romans 2. Mm -hmm. When it starts out, therefore thou art an inexcusable man, whosoever thou art that judges, or where thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. Thou that judges does the same things. So we are sure that the judgment of God is 
Jacob's fathers, Oman and Jebusim, which do such things and do us the same things, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God is the intention of That's right, yep. That, that's, that's an excellent verse in Romans 2. He just pointed out that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And <clears throat> that's actually a point I was thinking about and didn't share, but God is good to even the lost people, right? His common grace is even on lost people, and, and we see him being good, but it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And, um, and sometimes the goodness of God is a firm hand as a father who disciplines his own children, you know, but all right, well, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Was there something else? Dwight? Absolutely. You really can't recognize God as good unless you're honestly grateful. And we are just ungrateful by nature. Yeah. If your employer pays you twice as much to say they made a mistake, then they realize it. They came and said, look, we've been overpaying you for five years. And uh, you know, your first response would be, well, that's terrible. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's just the way we, we yeah. view. We, we view it as the loss of something. Right. Like your catalytic converter, things like that. We right. look at what's taken away from us. It's like, but my goodness. But we didn't deserve it. Country, the fact that you even have a car. Yeah. You, you know, it's still so ungrateful. Yeah. To me, that is a source. And so if I'm ungrateful, I do not recognize God's being good. Just like right. you look at your employer and go, well, you made a big mistake. I mean, it's like, wait a minute. You got all that money to cash forward? That doesn't have to retire. I mean, all these benefits that are right. to you, that technically you would owe them right. for that. Right, right. No, we. That's actually in scripture. Is the key. Over and over, scripture tells us to be be thankful. Right, to give thanks in all circumstances. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Dwight said, if you don't recognize God as good, it's a sign you're ungrateful. And I, I'm sure all of us as believers, even though we go through these trials, we still see the goodness of God. Right. And we all have grateful hearts, hopefully. But sometimes we need, I know personally, I need to be reminded to be grateful because uh, circumstances is it's what we see right before us, right? And it tends to, uh, we tend to lose perspective on that. Right, exactly. <laughs> right, right. But, no, I was telling me I should have been thankful for all the days I had air condition and not worry about the ones that I'm not... No, we all should be grateful. And again, because God, we, we, don't, we don't deserve it. And as soon as we start thinking we deserve it, that's pride. And so every good and perfect gift that comes down from the Father of, of heavenly lights is something we didn't deserve and that we should be thankful for. So let's pray and, uh, and give God thanks. Dear Heavenly Father, we do praise your holy name as you are good and your mercy endures forever. And I thank you, Lord, for... Uh, for being good to us, Lord. If you were not good to us, then we would be lost. We would be without hope, but yet we have hope. We have the hope of eternity, and, and we even see 
in this life, your good hand working out things and blessing us so much, Lord. And we just praise your holy name. Please bless this day. Bless Pastor Hovey as he, he brings your word to uh, this particular flock, this particular congregation that you have assembled. And we just pray for your church all over today as, as the body of believers seeks to worship you, that you would be glorified and your name would be praised. And we ask these things in Jesus' name for your glory. Amen.